Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlo, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlo's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlo's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE. Late last week, way out in the Nevada Black Rock Desert, the high priests of Burning Man ignited a 26-foot-tall, 13-foot-wide altar, which burned for 20 minutes before collapsing to reveal a giant steel idol of a phoenix, which, according to aforementioned high priests, supposedly had something to do with Ukraine. Then, the entire place got flooded. An unexpected and highly unusual storm appeared right over the festival, dumping three to four months' worth of rain, at least, on the desert. The total rainfall is estimated as having been between half an inch and a full inch. Doesn't necessarily sound like a lot, but we're talking about the desert. So to put that in perspective... Just a fifth of an inch was expected for the entire month of September. As a result, 70,000 people have been trapped in the mud for days, with attendees being told to conserve food and water, which are apparently in short supply. Now, I don't want to read too much into it, but as a general rule, it seems to me that one should avoid traveling to the desert for week-long Bacchanalian orgies that culminate in the worship of giant burning idols. It never turns out well. Whatever the Burning Man people are seeking, whether it be banal thrills like drugs and weird sex, or the more esoteric spiritual stuff to which those sensual pleasures point, is not going to make them happy. They are not going to find what they are looking for. Because eventually... The music is going to end, and the drugs are going to wear off, and the sex is going to reach its climax, and the people who place their hope in dead idols are going to find themselves still unsatisfied. Hungry, thirsty, and covered in filth. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Just had a juicy Good Ranchers ribeye and it was magnificent as always. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles today. The libs are going to do COVID again. They're already in the process of doing COVID again. The last COVID was begun in the year before the 2020 presidential election. Now we're the year before the 2024 presidential election, and they are doing 
COVID. But it's a little different this time, and Dr. Fauci is facing some heat. We'll get to it in a second. First, though, speaking of looking for happiness in all the wrong places, there's a woman who's gone totally viral, and she's just a random woman. No one's ever heard of her before. She posts a lot of content on social media, so she clearly wants to be a public person. But until this weekend, she had been a private person. And I think it was Walsh, actually. I think it was Matt who discovered this woman's TikTok and made her go viral. She's gone viral for explaining how happy she is not to be married and not to have children because she gets to sleep in late and drink too much and go to concerts and things like that. And she's gone viral because while her words say that she's very happy, her eyes and her demeanor and the tone of her voice tell a different story. It's 10.45 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 29 and single and I don't have kids yet. Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10.15. Every time I thought, I should probably get up and do something. I thought, why? Nobody's making me. I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. And I danced and drank my little heart out and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I did that. And I woke up a tad hungover this morning, which is probably why I was in bed for so long. And I was just scrolling on my phone and I saw a picture of shakshuka and I thought, you know what sounds really good? Maybe I'm going to learn how to make shakshuka today. I have no plan. This woman had my total sympathy. A lot of conservatives watched this and reacted with scorn and derision. She had my total sympathy until she mentioned shakshuka, which is disgusting. Shakshuka is this breakfast dish where you you poach eggs in a spaghetti sauce, and it's just gross. And poached eggs are fine. I like poached eggs. And spaghetti sauce I like very much, of course, and all sorts of uh, different dishes. But you put those two things together, it's gross. I like veal salt in boca. I like green Jolly Ranchers. I don't want to put them together. So anyway, that's where she really started to lose me, and, and her monologue went downhill from there. Because I have no plans and I don't have kids and I don't have a husband and I don't have errands to run. I can go to the grocery store and learn how to make shakshuka. So that's on my agenda today. Also on my agenda, probably a rewatch of some Real Housewives of New York. I'm also doing a rewatch of Normal People on Hulu, which is really spicy and I highly recommend. Weirdly, I'm into this documentary on Netflix about blue zone countries. So I've got a pretty stacked day. Anyway, I say all this to say, whenever I'm hard on myself about why I'm not married and I don't have kids and I should be further along at 29, almost 30. I wouldn't want to do anything else this Saturday. And I know that you can do all these things when you have kids and you're married and I understand, but the effortlessness and ease of my life, just kind of focusing on myself and the shakshuk I want to make or the Beyonce concert I want to go to really pays off when I'm hard on myself for not being where society tells me I should be in life. Okay. I... Even putting the shakshuka aside, I have basically nothing but sympathy for this woman because we all have friends who are like this woman. Some, Some among us listening right now might be in the same spot, which is you got duped by society. Our entire culture told you to put off getting married, don't have kids, just focus on your career, get an endless series of degrees, don't go to church, don't believe in anything above yourself. Life is about nothing more than binging Netflix and traveling around the world and having fun experiences and going to brunch. That's what our culture tells people from the age of, I don't know, I guess from in the womb all the way up until the music stops, all the way up until thing, the brunches stop being quite so tasty and the Real Housewives reruns stop being so interesting and the shakshuka stops being so uh, satisfying to make. 
So I, I have total sympathy for her. And if she were merely trying to say that while her eyes and the tone of her voice and the very fact that she's pleading for attention on social media shows that she's obviously not totally happy and she does wish that she were married and she does wish she had kids, but it hasn't happened yet. And so she's going to bear her difficulties with resignation until things turn around. I wouldn't even bring it up. The problem here is that she is she is exalting the very things that make people miserable. And it's because of a misunderstanding of joy and a misunderstanding of earthly happiness, which we'll get to in one second. You know, they say that uh, money can't buy happiness, but it, it can make you secure to have the material things so that you can pursue happiness. And when you want to be materially secure, you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and no, objective and irreversible. It's not a great Russian. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally have agreed to use local currencies in trade instead of the U.S. dollar. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. This is why birch gold is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold. Sheltered in a tax-sheltered IRA, you can protect your IRA or 401k by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Learn if gold is right for you, too. Text Knowles, Canada WLAS, to 989898. They will send you a free info kit on gold with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. I trust Birch Gold to help you diversify into gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it will be nice to have some gold to depend upon. Text Knowles, Canada WLAS, to 989898. George Bernard Shaw had a very good line, which is, that hell is the place where you have nothing to do but amuse yourself. George Bernard Shaw was a socialist, atheist playwright, and he was wrong about a great many things. But even when he was wrong, he would, he would have these piercing moments of insight in a lot of his plays. G.K. Chesterton, the great conservative Catholic author, he was friends with, with Shaw. And this, this is one of my favorite lines from Shaw. And even the whole context of this line is... is even better than the, the single phrase itself. It comes from a, a scene, called, an act of a, of a play called Don Juan in Hell. And the play is Man and Superman. And a, a woman, Anna, says, these devils are mocking me. I had better pray. And the statue consoling her says, no, 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 my child, do not pray. If you do, you will throw away the main advantage of this place. They're in hell. Written over the gate here are the words, leave every hope behind ye who enter, which is a line Shaw borrowed from Dante. Only think what a relief that is, for what is hope, a form of moral responsibility. Here, in hell, there is no hope, and consequently no duty, no work, nothing to be gained by praying, nothing to be lost by doing what you like. Hell, in short, is a place where you have nothing to do but amuse yourself. At this moment, Don Juan sighs deeply. This is why people who retire often don't live very long. Some people have a great retirement, but the people I've noticed who have a great retirement are the people who 
find a purpose in retirement. Maybe the purpose is to manage their family. Maybe the purpose is to get involved politically. Maybe the purpose is to take up a new hobby or to join a group or to write your memoir or to investigate genealogy or to play in the family reunion. But the people who just in retirement go out and decide they're going to hang out they often don't make it very long. They drink too much. They get depressed. We all get depressed. Why? Because happiness is not just receiving passive pleasures. Happiness, our good buddy Uncle Aristotle noted about 2,400 years ago, is excellent rational activity in accordance with virtue. So happiness involves activity, and it's activity done very well, and it's activity that is rational. It's not totally irrational activity like going out and, I don't know, doing a bunch of drugs and making a nuisance of yourself and worshiping idols in the desert is rational activity that is in accordance with virtue. That's what's going to make us happy. What that woman is describing is broadly true. When you don't have kids, you get to wake up late. You get to watch whatever TV shows you want. You get to make shakshuka if if that is something that one would want to do. You get to go out and drink too much. You get to go to the, whatever concert you want to go to. And that will make you depressed. And this is why you, there are skyrocketing rates of depression and anxiety. It's no coincidence that as marriage rates plummet, as childbirth rates plummet, the rates of anxiety and depression are increasing because brunch is not actually that fun. It's not fun for a long time. So I don't mean to just scold this woman. I don't mean to mock her in any way, but... It is, it is very dangerous for people who, as a self-defense mechanism or a coping mechanism, decide that they're going to exalt the behaviors that make everybody miserable. That's a dangerous thing. The first step to fixing the problem, and individuals and society broadly have a lot of problems right now, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. And in, in this case, the problem is that the Beyonce concert and staying out too late and drinking and staying in your bed all day and even eating shakshuka as as your raison d'etre, those are not the activities of happy, joyful people. Those are the kind of things that depressives do. Depressives drink too much and they stay in bed all day and they're listless and they kind of wander around and they, they're just not full of joy. So if we want to turn that around, you've got to put that bad advice aside, stop coping, recognize there's a problem, and then fix it. You can fix it, man. You don't need to stay in bed all day and listen to Beyonce and eat shakshuka. Speaking of social bonds, Truth Social might be going the way of the dodo. Truth Social is Trump's alternative to Twitter, and uh, Truth Social was begun back in October of 2021, and now it might collapse within days. And it might collapse because Trump Media and Technology Group, which is the parent company for Truth Social, was going to merge with Digital World Acquisition Corporation, which is a Miami-based company. And they they were then going to go public via a SPAC. A SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. And anyway, this is all sort of a bunch of background business, blah, blah, blah. But the upshot is the two companies had between 12 and 18 months to complete the merger. The deadline has been extended at least five times. It's now scheduled for September 5th. Shareholder meeting is scheduled. I suspect Trump doesn't want to keep True Social around anymore because I think Trump wants to go back to Twitter, now known as X, because that's the way that he's going to reach the most people. Uh, but what happens then? What happens if Truth Social collapses? Does, is this good for Trump? Is this bad for Trump? I think basically it would be good for Trump. And I think it would be good for Trump because, one, he can now save face since Elon bought Twitter. 
The point of Truth Social was to give conservatives an alternative in social media. The libs controlled all of social media. So here's an alternative. Well, then Elon Musk spent $44 billion bucks and bought Twitter and has made Twitter much more amenable to conservatives and has defended the right of conservatives to speak on Twitter and is, is now potentially even suing left-wing activist groups that are trying to, to pressure advertisers to defund Twitter. Uh, you know, he's really put his money where our mouths are. So Trump can save face and say, look, the thing that I wanted to accomplish with Truth Social has now been accomplished through Elon Musk. So I'm going back to Twitter. I mean, the the basic reason that Trump started Truth Social was that he was deplatformed. He was kicked off of all these services, even when he was the sitting president of the United States. Well, now he's been invited back on, and that is largely thanks to Elon Musk. So he can say, look, mission accomplished, right? But what about the, the black mark on his record here? Trump is going to be called a failure because Truth Social was a failure. I don't think that matters. And I especially don't think that matters to Trump. Trump has failed at many, many things. And I say this with love and admiration. He failed at the vodka. He failed at the steaks. He failed at the airplanes. He, he failed at a lot, man. I'm not even getting into what happened when he was president. Trump is also one of the most successful people on planet Earth. That's undeniable. I know the Trump haters want to deny that. This man is extremely successful. If you fly around in a gigantic jumbo jet for your entire adult life, you're a success. If you get yourself elected president the first time that you really officially try it, you're a big success. If you manage to arouse the ire of America's enemies abroad and the enemies within the the deep state apparatchiks who consistently tried to undermine his campaign and his presidency, you're a success, man. You've actually done something. Are these in opposition? No, not at all. The most successful people I know have also failed more than just about anybody I know. And this is a really important lesson if you ever want to succeed in life. Successful people tend to fail at more things than their critics ever even try. And pride, which is the queen of vice and the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. Pride talks in our ear and says, hey, don't do this thing. You might fail at it. So don't even try. Just, it'll be so humiliating. If you, it'll be such a wound to your pride if you, if you try and fail at something. Successful people just ignore that voice and just try things. And they often will throw spaghetti at the wall. Think about how many, how many companies Trump has failed at, or Elon Musk has failed at, or I don't know any of the successful people on planet Earth. If you go military leaders, the failed military campaigns, for goodness sakes, Winston Churchill, had he died before the Second World War, would have died a colossal failure. But he just kept going. This is true of every great statesman throughout history and business leader and just anybody who's ever done anything. And a really important lesson to take away. It's one of the best lessons from Trump's public life. And look, maybe he's going to fail in the 2024 race. I, I don't know. But the one thing I'm damn sure of is that he's going to try. (laughs) And the only way that he's possibly going to be successful, the only way that you or any of us is possibly going to be successful at at anything is if we risk failure. Don't don't worry about failure. Successful people are going to fail more than, than the losers ever even try. Speaking of not trying, Joe Biden is not even trying to go visit East Palestine, Ohio. Do you remember, this was some months ago now, our news cycle's fast, our, our memories, our attention spans are that of a fruit fly. There was that major train derailment and chemical spill that poisoned this town in Ohio. And Biden barely even wanted to mention it. 
Trump shows up there. J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio, conservative, shows up there. Demand says, why won't Joe Biden show up here? And Joe Biden finally came out and promised. He said, okay, I'm going to go to East Palestine, Ohio. Well, now here we are months and months later. Joe still hasn't shown up. Here's his excuse. I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well, I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam, to, and so I, it's going to be a while. But uh, we're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems. His excuse as to why he hasn't visited this troubled American town that was the site of a major corporate and government crime, let's call it what it is, just an absolute negligence and incompetence, at least so egregious that it poisoned this whole town. And his excuse is, well, I can't go there because I got to go literally everywhere else on earth before I go there. I've got to go anywhere else, anywhere and everywhere else than this town in America. Joe Biden cares so little about East Palestine, Ohio, that in the months since that spill, he hasn't even learned how to pronounce the name of the town. He, he's made plenty of time to go visit Kiev. Oh, he can go visit Kiev just fine. And Vietnam and this place and that place. He just can't visit this troubled American town. Joe Biden can spend 382 days on vacation. Joe Biden has spent 40%, 40% of his presidency on vacation. Just doesn't have that time to visit East Palestine. A more perfect example of how little our ruling class cares about America, I have not seen. A widening of the gulf between the elites and the actual American people and a promise that populism will continue. <laughs> from the ruling class, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And from the now mostly the Republican Party, but a little bit on the, on the left too, uh, the populism is going to continue as our political order becomes so decadent, decays so much, and the social bonds just collapse between the, the rulers and the ruled. Now, one little luxury here that all of us, no matter how put upon we are by our liberal elite— uh, can enjoy is delicious Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles. I don't know about you, but this summer heat in Nashville felt hotter than a $2 pistol, and that's because of the inflation. We're feeling that heat in more ways than one these days. The thing that I'm not sweating, though, is my meat price. Thanks to Good Ranchers, my price is locked in for two years, and you might be thinking a price lock guarantee on meat? Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how they do it. It doesn't make any sense with inflation and everything, and especially that their price is already quite low for meat that is much higher quality than anything you're getting at the grocery store or any other service right now. It's just the greatest. Their hamburgers are the best I've ever had. The steaks are absolutely out of this world. The New York Strip in particular I love. The ribeye is excellent. I just had the other day. They've got pork now. they got chicken. They've got everything. I couldn't possibly recommend this comp company enough. Their meat is all 100% American. Steakhouse quality, just amazing. GoodRanchers.com right now. Use code Knowles for 30 bucks off any box. Promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. Speaking of foreign places, France has just prepared 
to enforce a ban on Muslim dress in schools. So this would be the abaya on women, you know, where you can barely see any of the women. And uh, this would be the, I forget the name of the dress for the Muslim men, but that too, kaput, not allowed to wear that in French schools anymore. And this is a really good idea. Not because I don't like the Muslims. I like the Muslims very much. I have a great deal of respect for the Muslims. But because France is France, and France should be allowed to be France. France doesn't need to be Saudi Arabia, and Italy doesn't need to be Eritrea, and America doesn't need to be Guatemala. Countries should be allowed to have their own national identity and culture, and people ought to be able to define what that is and engage in their own traditional practices. I read this book over the weekend, made a little bit of a splash, and it was a book in Italian. It hasn't been translated yet into English. And I thought, you know, there are so few books in Italian that ever really seem to make the news. (laughs) Dante, Petrarch, Boccaccio... That's pretty much it. You know, there's not a ton of of Italian literature that that tends to make it up. One of these books that did is by this Italian general, Roberto Venacci. And it's called Il Mondo al Contrario, The World Upside Down. The the point of this book is that we're living in, obviously, in an upside down world where people are losing their sovereignty and traditional practices are being called hateful and evil and being kicked out of society and bizarre eccentricities are being placed at the center of society and the tiny little minorities of people, not even just racial minorities, but like the minority of this imagined identity group or that bizarrely inclined psychosexual identity group, uh, they get to dominate and they get to set all of the rules for all of society and that this is completely upside down. This is a book that became one of the best-selling books in Italy over the last year, and it had to be self-published. And that tells you so much. It's a, it's a very good thing that self-publishing is now advanced enough that anybody with a manuscript can upload it to Amazon and have it mailed out in physical form and it can become a bestseller. That's great. But it's a very bad thing that many books that are commonsensical, that would become bestsellers, have to be self-published because no publisher would ever take it on. Because this book by General Venacci, sorry, former General Venacci, he just got fired for publishing the book. This book by former General Venacci was called Racist, Sexist, Homophobic, This Is, Thatist. That's how you know it's going to be a good book. These days, when the liberal media say it's racist, sexist, phobic, this kind of hateful, that kind of hateful, you know it's probably going to be a pretty interesting book. And, and his firing for alleged homophobia proves his point. We're now in the world upside down. That you can't extol a traditional, normal, Christian, just, just classical conception of family life without being called a hateful bigot and losing your job for it. Even if your job is to go kill your enemies. Even if your job is a really old school, manly kind of job, you're going to lose it for that. The, the point of the book that I found the most interesting is when he focuses on what he calls the dictatorship of minorities. Maybe minorities of immigrant groups, maybe sexual minorities of groups who identify as whatever, whatever sort of identities I'm not allowed to talk about on YouTube. I think you catch the drift. Uh, Maybe it's a a religious minority. Maybe it's a cultural minority. But the, the notion that even a group that comprises three people can upend the standards for everybody. Italy is a Catholic country. It's about as Catholic a country as you could possibly get. And yet, increasingly, Italy is told 
from the secular authorities, from the European Union, that they can't have Christmas displays and celebrations in public because, you know, that's some people don't celebrate Christmas. Some, well, I guess that's true. The vast majority of people in Italy celebrate, the vast, vast, overwhelming majority celebrate Christmas. So why can't they have their Christmas celebrations? Well, because of the rights of the minorities. And so you see, and Venacci never refers to this in the book, but what you're seeing is an, an increasing tension between democracy and liberalism, which we use interchangeably today, but they're actually opposed to one another. The liberals actually changed the Wikipedia page for, for democracy to say that democracy is a form of liberalism. Liberalism came about a few hundred years ago. Democracy has been around for millennia, okay? But it, liberalism is so totalitarian, it just consumes everything and brings it into itself. And if you oppose it, then you, you have to be anti-democratic. But that doesn't make any sense. Democracy is ruled by the majority. Liberalism, at its very best, is supposed to be the protection of rights of minorities. Which can, is a fine thing. You do want to protect the, the legitimate rights of minorities. But as liberalism has advanced, everything has been called a right. Things that are not rights at all have been called rights. Things that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, you know, like um, men wearing dresses in public <laughs> or pride parades or all the other sorts of things that are definitely going to get bleeped out on YouTube. Those are not rights. Those are wrongs. Wrong things cannot be rights. And how do we understand rights? We understand rights by, by examining abstract principles of justice, by examining the natural law, by using our faculties of reason and our moral conscience to deduce conclusions about, about uh, the, the good, the true, and the beautiful. We can't do that anymore because we live in a radical skepticism. So we... The radical skepticism is impelled by liberalism, which says everybody has the right to do whatever the hell they want at any given time. And so it becomes this tyranny of subjectivism, this tyranny of relativism that now is overwhelming the right of sovereign states to be their own people, to determine who comes in, who, who gets the rights of citizens, and how people live. Very, very troubling because left to its own devices— liberalism will just erase these cultures. They'll erase the people. They'll erase the customs. They'll erase the religions. They'll relate, they'll, it'll erase everything. And because nature abhors a vacuum, something else is going to come in in its place because everybody's got to serve somebody. So this is, this is also why you're seeing increasing populism. This is why fashionable, squishy Republican types used to make fun of the notion of the war on Christmas. Oh, those bitter, clinging, deplorable idiots. They care about Christmas. Who cares? It's no big deal. Just say happy holidays or whatever. No. It, if, if we give up Christmas, what are we as a country? <laughs> if, oh, those deplorable idiots. They care about immigration. Oh, stop it. Just stop being so racist and xenophobic. If we give up borders, what is our country? If we, give up, if we give up our practices, the people who make up the nation, what we believe in, and now increasingly our right to self-government, what are we? We're nothing. We just become individual 
consumers. We're just here. We we end up exactly where that poor woman who was pretending that she's really happy, childless and husbandless at 29, we end up right where she is, which is, yeah, okay, we don't have any social bonds. We don't have any purpose in life. We don't have anything that we're aiming at. We don't have anything that really gets us out of the bed in the morning, but we do have a bunch of cheap crap. <laughs> but we do, GDP went up a little bit. We are we are an economic zone. Well, who cares? How stupid do we have to be to find out that money doesn't actually buy you happiness and that we shouldn't worship mammon? People are so desperate for meaning that they're going to the desert right now to take a bunch of drugs and have a bunch of orgies and worship actual fire idols and then be washed out in a flood because of that, which, you know, again, I don't want to read too deeply into it, but that's how desperate people are for meaning, okay? So that's the, that is the world upside down. And you can expect pe- rates of anxiety to go up, uh, prescription drugs for depression pills to go up. You can expect the life expectancy to continue to decline because of deaths of despair. You can expect marriage rates to continue to plummet. You can expect birth rates to continue to plummet until we flip that world back. While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. Right side up. Now, speaking of confused people, and things I can't talk about on YouTube. Another young lady went viral, sobbing, crying, because she was called a lady. Honestly, don't know what to do, but like, there was like a really bad experience. Basically, I was just getting a drink at the bar and they called both Azul and I ladies. After they were done making the drink, I went up and I, I was like, some people don't refer to themselves as ladies, but it's okay that you didn't know. And with a gay bar, so we should feel safe to bad turned it around. They got so mad at me and they took the drink away from my wife and I. He hit the bar, like. Because he was like, are you serious? You're doing the same thing to me. How? And then they kicked us out. I didn't think that was going to happen. Like, how am I supposed to feel? This is the first time that I've, like, told somebody I felt brave enough to tell somebody my identity. I just wanted to let him know, and I told him it's okay that you didn't know. He was still mad at me for being myself and for my wife being themselves. Just her. And for my wife being themselves. I don't know if I believe this video. The performance doesn't seem very persuasive to me. So it's probably just a ploy for attention and, and kind of some kind of troll on social media. But let's say it's not. Let's be really charitable about it and say that this woman's really upset because she went to a bar with her wife, as though that were possible. And they went up into this bar and the bartender said, hey, ladies, what can I get you? And they broke down sobbing because this was such an attack on their identities. One, it shows you that they know that they're not really men. Right? It shows you that 
their confidence in their true identity is a little bit weak. If someone called me a woman, I'd probably just laugh or, you know, say, hey, what are you calling a woman? And move on with my life and I wouldn't, wouldn't sob into a camera. But, but even beyond that, she says, well, it was a gay bar, but it was just these gay men. And they should accept me because we're queer too or whatever. You think, listen, if you are, it's hard to tell these days, but let's say you are two women, but you say you're men or whatever. You're two women. And you think it's really smart for us two women to go to a gay men's bar. They'll accept us there. There is no group of people that the gay men bar attendees are less interested in seeing than two women. And you can dress up and you can pretend to be something other than you are, but the gay guys aren't interested in you. And you shouldn't be interested in them. And you shouldn't whine and cry when places that are not for you are not, actually are fairly welcoming to you, but are still like somehow almost a little bit tethered to reality. But then this raises a question. How are we supposed to think about the weird sex stuff? Because we we live in the world upside down now, and the weird sex stuff dominates the headlines all the time, and we can't avoid it. You can't just say, well, uh, just put it out of your mind, stop thinking about it so much. It's everywhere. It's in our schools. It's in our businesses. It's in the streets. It's in the seven pride months that, that we celebrate now, the pride, pride year, and that's just a full pride year. And it, it's everywhere. So what are we supposed to do about it? And Vanacci, the guy who wrote The World Upside Down, he makes a good point. He says, look, now... The, the gay stuff is everywhere. In the Middle Ages, it was suppressed because that was when the church was at the height of its power and all the weird sex stuff is contrary to church teaching and scripture and sacred tradition. And so they kind of tamped that stuff down. But, but way back in antiquity, there were prevalent homosexual acts. You read about it in Plato. And the Symposium is a book about a big gay dinner party, kind of. We know there, there's that old line about the difference between the Greeks and the Romans. They were arguing over who had the better civilization. The Greeks say, we invented souvlaki. The Romans say, we invented pizza. The Greeks say, we have the Parthenon. The Romans say, we built the Colosseum. The Greeks say, okay, well, we've got you here because we invented sex. And the Romans say, yes, but we introduced it to women. So we know that for a long time, there's been kind of weird sort of gay stuff in antiquity, and they looked on it without total moral opprobrium. Well, Vanacci makes this good point. He says, those are, they're not the same thing. The way the ancient Greeks looked at weird sex stuff and the way that modern gay rights people do, totally different things. Because for the ancients, the weird sex stuff was simply a matter of sensual pleasure. A, A way for these guys who had these inclinations to just have a bit of fun and amuse themselves. It never... Uh, infringed upon the family. Men didn't get gay married in ancient Athens. Men didn't try to adopt children in ancient Athens together or to have surrogates pay some woman to rent her womb and then, you know, implant a, 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 a zygote or what, you know, an embryo into, they didn't do any of that weird stuff. They just, they did their weird sex stuff and then they were normal in public. And that's what's going on now. And so Vanacci says, if we just went back to that understanding of things, if the LGBT people would just, they could go have their fun in the, in the privacy of their own homes, we're not going to be sending the purity police around. But when you, when you insist on upending the most basic political institutions, when you insist on upending the family, that's the fundamental unit of society, 
then that's a problem. And then we've got to talk about it and we've got to have an opinion. And we can either allow that to happen and allow the complete destruction of our politics and our entire sense of reality, or we can come in and say, no, guys, sorry. Sorry, lady, you're actually a lady. You're not a man. Sorry, same-sex couple. You might be very close to one another and you might have a lovely relationship, but you're not the same thing as marriage. Sorry, people in all sorts of disordered backgrounds. You don't get to just buy a child and you don't get to just make one in a laboratory and commoditize human beings. No, the answer is no. Because if we don't say no, we're going to be living completely upside down with our feet in the air and our heads on the ground. You know, we have a very exciting offer coming up for all of our Daily Wire members. Early access to a first look at the highly anticipated 10-part original series of Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer. Early access to view this series is September 7th, only on Daily Wire Plus. Take a look at this teaser. Coming up on Convicting a Murderer. Part of me don't want to believe that he did this. The blood that was on that back area was indicative of a head wound. My brother likes to push a lot of people around. I don't give a f- about anything. I ain't got to listen to nobody. How were these filmmakers able to convince so many people that a man like Stephen Avery is innocent? How many times did he stab her? Once. And show me where. Right here. They gave him power. They're trying to get everything on me that they did. It's not good for an Avery to have power. I had told you all along, keep your fucking mouth shut. That can hurt, Stephen. I'm not going to lie for him no more. I can't do it. Watch Convicting a Murderer, a new 10-part series on Daily Wire Plus. Now, early access to watch Convicting a Murderer will be available for Daily Wire Plus members on September 7th. The official premiere for Convicting a Murderer will take place on X, that platform formerly known as Twitter, on September 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Candace will be live chatting with special guests at the X event at 5 p.m., so head on over to X to join the conversation. Full series will be available only on Daily Wire Plus. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, for 25% off your Daily Wire Plus subscription. Everyone's talking about it. Everybody, look, look, it's everywhere, okay? Candace's take on this series is really interesting, so do not miss out and subscribe today. My favorite comment on Friday is from Junior3170, who says, my late father told me about the 70s. He said it was hell. Everything was garbage from the cars to the music. I couldn't even get normal genes by the end. Fair enough. And this will impact the presidential race, of course, because we are living in the 1970s. <laughs> we The same sort of economic problems, energy crises, massive inflation, social breakdown. A D.C. grocery store, giant grocery store, is Southeast D.C., has removed name brands from the store. It's got generic brands, but no more name brands. Advil, Colgate, Tide, it's gone. And it's gone because people keep stealing. And the shop owner, he says, I don't want to do this. I'd like to sell the name brand products. But the reality is that Tide is not a profitable item in this store because it keeps getting stolen. In many instances, people stock the product and within two hours, it's gone. So it's not on the shelf anyway. You see, he's seen theft rise tenfold in the last five years. This is literally why we can't have nice things. Uh, just even material things we can't have. We sell out all of the social capital so that we can have cheap consumer goods. And the irony of it is we end up without even the the nice consumer goods because people are stealing them so much that they can't even put them on the shelves. If we cease to be a coherent society, as 
increasingly is happening. And we simply become individual economic units just sharing the same space, which is the vision the left has for us. And frankly, it's the vision that a lot of the right has for us too. We're just out there. We just care about cutting our taxes and just making our money and leave me alone and forget about those social questions. Well, okay, if we're all just individuals living in the same space, then you know what's going to happen? All the things that keep us behaving, community, shame, uh, a sense of a fear of divine retribution, concern for our souls and our reputation in the community, even the law, that's all going to go away. And so what's going to happen is first, there's going to be disorder, as we're seeing now. And then, almost maybe even worse than the disorder, there's going to be a miserable kind of order imposed on us. Because, this is a point I've made a number of times before, there will be order. There will be order. The state will protect itself. So either we can behave ourselves and act in accordance with virtue and religion and morality, or the state is going to come in and impose that. But there, there will be order eventually. And the, the kind of order that's going to be imposed on us is going to be a miserable one because it's going to be a, a, an order without the uplift and the inspiration of religion, without the natural bonds of family, which disappear. I mean, they disappear in the sense that people just stop having family. They stop getting married. They stop having kids. It's going to be one without tradition. We'll have gotten rid of those traditions. It's going to be one without a sense of loyalty to the nation and a bond of kinship to the people. It's just going to be a heavy-handed order of, of sticks and carrots. The stick is going to be increasing punishments from the government, like locking people up for ordinary basic political dissent, as we're seeing all around us. And the carrot is going to be drugs and promiscuous sex and Netflix and staying out late and drinking and going to Beyonce concerts and not getting out of your bed until 10 in the morning. That's that. One of them is George Orwell. One of them is Aldous Huxley. One of them is 1984. One of them is Brave New World. And, and it's not going to be one or the other. You're going to get them both at the same time. Do you want, do you want that to be your society? No? Well, then... We've got to have the other stuff, the tradition and the coherence among the people and the religion and the, and the being normal. <laughs> That's what we're going to have to have. Now, I teased you. I teased you earlier. I said that we were going to get to COVID and Fauci. Well, I'm going to leave this as a little bit of a tease for tomorrow. But all I'll say for now is, You've seen the masks start to come back in Hollywood. Lionsgate instituted a mask mandate. Uh, Morris Brown College in Atlanta, Rutgers University, bringing the masks back. Oh, just a couple weeks to slow the spread. You're seeing New York saying, if you're in public, maybe now start to wear the masks. Jill Biden's apparently come down with COVID. How she knows, I don't know. Why people still test for this ridiculous uh, ailment, I don't know. Well, I do know. It's because of the 2024 election. But... Fauci is starting to come back on TV. But the twist here is CNN is taking Dr. Fauci to task for being wrong. Why is that? What's going on? What do the libs have up their sleeves? We'll get to that tomorrow because right now we've got to get to the member block. The rest of the show continues now. I know it's Tuesday, but we didn't have Music Monday because that was Labor Day. So what Professor Jacob has said in his dubious wisdom is that today we're not going to have Tranny Tuesday. We're going to have 
Music Monday on Tuesday. And then tomorrow for Woke Wednesday, we're going to lump in Trans Tuesday and Woke Wednesday together in one day, and then Theology Thursday, and then Fake Headline Friday. I'm My head is spinning just thinking about it. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.